Like my work ethic has always been there. Yeah. I love working hard and this was just a different form of work. Mm. So it just got to the point where I knew I had to do something and I knew that this was what I needed to do. And so for me, it was actually fairly easy to just be all in from yeah. day one yeah. because I wanted to get better. I wanted to get back to the space of loving the sport because that smile that you saw was yeah. genuine. Yeah. In 2016, probably not. I think that whole year, 2015, 2016, leading up, it was just praying that it was real, even yeah. though it wasn't. But every moment leading up to that, it was so real. This podcast is a Cannonball Media production. Welcome to Unfiltered Waters. I'm Missy Franklin. And I'm Katie Hoff. We're giving you genuine conversations to get to know the person beneath the athlete. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Missy and I have entered our strength era in 2024, and this partnership with Create couldn't have come at a better time. We have both been absolutely loving the Create gummies, especially Blue Raspberry and their amazing new flavor, Watermelon. Creatine is an amino acid most commonly found in your muscles and brain, and some of the main benefits are increasing strength, building muscle, and muscle recovery. What we love most about Create is the fact that it's in gummy form, which makes it so easy to stay consistent in taking such an important supplement. We would recommend this to truly anyone who is trying to optimize their healthy lifestyle. We've got a special code for you. It's unfiltered to receive 20% off your first order. Stay strong and enjoy. We are so excited and honored to be sponsored by Little Words Project, a company whose founder and purpose means so much to us and to others. Little Words Project is a company with handcrafted bracelets with custom words or sayings that serve as wearable affirmations of our worth and everything we are capable of achieving. Each of their products have different inspirational words on them, and the idea is to wear your word for as long as you need it, and then pass it on to someone who needs it more one day. The best part is they each have a unique code on their gold tag that can be used to connect your bracelet to their website, where you can track where it goes as it travels from wrist to wrist. I have a day-by-day -day bracelet that I gave to Missy, and it's a huge mantra for us as we started this podcast to take it day-by-day -day as we keep rolling forward. I have never taken it <laughs> off. It serves as such an incredible reminder to truly take it day-by-day -day and yes. to be proud of everything we've achieved up to this point and hope to continue to do so moving forward. So what are you waiting for? These make the best gift for yourself or for others. They're available online at littlewordsproject.com or in one of their 12 brick and mortar stores across the nation and in over 900 target locations as well happy shopping all right everybody <laughs> welcome back to unfiltered waters missy and katie here your hosts on this fabulous wednesday how was your day today my love my day was good it's cold it's freezing freezing well freezing i guess like relatively speaking okay but here's what i've noticed as a coloradian the cold in the south hits so different. It's like bitter. Yes. Okay. Like, well, that makes me feel be better. Out in zero degrees in Colorado and be like, this is gorgeous. Yeah. It gets to like 40 in Nashville. And I'm like, nope. I know. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I was this morning, I was like, have I? Because I feel like everywhere I've gone, I've lived in California, Miami, and I always adjust to that. Mm -hmm. So then I become a baby if I'm in Miami or California. But then I was in Michigan last year. And so 
It was like in the negatives. Yeah. And then I walked out this morning to do my cold plunge, oh. which was like, <laughs> I'll get to that. But like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I've lost my tolerance. But you're saying it's just as bad. I No, I think so. I think the humidity, like you said, it gives the coldness that like sharpness yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I remember that when I was at Georgia. I remember walking around campus, same when it was 30, 40 degrees outside. Yeah. And I was like, I am, I'm pretty tough when it comes to the cold. I'm yeah, like, you are, you are. So hard. And then I, I talked to people about it. I'm like, yeah, it's the, it's okay. just the humidity. Well, that's good. Well, yeah, my day was, my day was good. I started it at a workout, Peloton boot camp. Shout out Callie, favorite awesome. instructor. Um, she looks so beautiful, pregnant. So beautiful, pregnant. <laughs> she's like, yeah, she's my goal when like I'm pregnant. Cause just, it's, well, it's so awesome. Like total side note, but it's so important for us to see women who are pregnant that are still working out and themselves and their health and getting stronger. And it's, it's, she's an amazing role model for that. She is. And she is. you will be too when Thanks. the day comes. <laughs> um, but yes. And then just, I, I'm not kidding you. I was on my hands and knees scrubbing our floors this morning only because I didn't want to get in the 37 degree cold plunge. <laughs> Oh, you know what? Our floor looks a little bit dirty. I will clean every <laughs> inch of this house. Hands and knees. And then I was like, you know what? We really need to organize the closet. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't want to go in the cold plunge. <laughs> it makes such a difference when it's cold yep. out versus oh, yeah. when it's warm. We're deciding whether or not to put our edge outside by our sauna don't or do to it. put it inside. And I'm so nervous about putting it outside because it's it's brutal. But yeah. It keeps you going back because of how good you feel after, but getting in when it's cold out. <laughs> and never get, and people, I'll say this, I'll keep saying this. Like I had people over the other night and they're like, I'm just not a cold person. And I'm like, do you, what do you mean? What does it mean to be a cold person? I'm not a cold person, but I'm addicted to the, the dopamine hit and the high and all those Ugh. things. So started my day off well, which carried over to today. And you've got clean floors. I've got beautifully sparkling <laughs> clean floors out of it. So yeah, how was your day? <laughs> it was good. Honestly, nothing super special. Dropped Kate off at school and she has some lessons on Wednesdays. So, so my mom and dad took her to that while we're here filming. Yeah. But I'm so excited about our episode today. And we'd mentioned that we were going to kind of retrace our steps a little bit and come back to the actual transition of yes. leaving our sport and going into, and I honestly, this is a pet peeve of mine when people say this, then the air quotes, yeah. the real world. Yeah. And this is something I know we're both super passionate about, but yeah. I just feel like there is such a lack of resources for athletes who are transitioning from sport. And yeah. that is every level that every is level. not just an Olympic athlete yeah. that is going into retirement that is whether you're a high school athlete that's going off to college and you'll no longer be doing your sport a collegiate athlete that is done with their four years that yep. is going um, past that it is so hard so hard it is so hard it is one of the, the hardest things I think that you can go through and I don't say that to intimidate but I think our goal here is prep encourage yeah. yes and sharing our stories and our experiences is a way of exactly what you just said preparing yourself and i yeah. know that that's also a really hard thing to do because when you're competing you obviously don't want to prepare yourself yeah. to be done competing yeah it's such a double-edged sword you're like if i prepare for this does that mean i'm any less invested mm. in what i'm about to try to accomplish i felt like that 
Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it, it's so people say the same thing too about balance. It's like, can you have balance when you're trying to go after and do something extraordinary? I, that's, that's a longer, that's a deeper discussion, but I think being, I think on the preparation piece, I wish that I had had someone encouraging me and I see athletes do it all the time now. Like they're mm -hmm. getting their real estate license or yes. they're going to school and like, that doesn't mean that you're not going to crush mm -hmm. it at your next competition or crush it at NCAAs or a state meet. It doesn't matter what the level is, but that's okay. And that's probably laying the foundation way better than, I can't speak for you, but way better than I did because I was all in one hole, focused intensely, not thinking about what would happen when something was done. Well, and something we've been hearing from essentially every athlete we've spoken yeah. to so far is how important it is to have balance. Yeah. So honestly, this preparation could be an amazing way to add that sense of balance to where, just as you said, it's not that you're putting any less importance on what it is yeah. that you're doing, but you are showing that there are other facets to your life and it takes some of the pressure off of that space because yeah. there are other things that you are working towards and that you're putting that time into. And I think that aids in that sense of balance. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with my story a little bit and I know we'll go back and forth here, but I think mine was a little bit unique because I think what a lot of athletes experience when they retire happened to me actually after the Rio Olympic games. And I say that because after Rio, it felt like swimming had been taken away from me. Mm. Like I was so devastated by that performance. And those eight days were easily some of the hardest eight days of my life. And I did end up getting a gold medal. And for those that don't know, when you are on a preliminary swim of a relay, you still get the medal that the finals relay wins in that event, even yes. if you don't swim in that actual relay. So some relays will have six swimmers. Well, there'll be four morning swimmers and then they'll rotate another two in for the finals. But those two other preliminary swimmers still receive whatever medal, if there is a medal won by that finals relay team. So I was actually in the Olympic Village in our dorm by myself, sitting on a beanbag chair, watching the four by 200 freestyle relay on TV. And I watched them win the gold medal, knowing that I had also just won a gold medal. And that was such a drastic experience from, from winning years. my golds in London. Yeah. So I am so proud of that gold medal, but it just holds such a different experience and meaning behind it. I didn't qualify for a single individual final. And I remember having to watch the 200 backstroke final and I held my teammate Sierra Rungi's hand the whole time because it was one of the most painful but also proud moments of my life because I got to watch Maya Dorado upset Katinka Hosu yeah. and win the gold and the 200 back and keep it in the U.S. And I was just so ridiculously proud and excited for her in that moment that mm -hmm. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. But that felt like my baby, right? Like the 200 yeah. back was like my race. Yeah. And so to have such a poor meet, but particularly to fail so big in that race was just like, it just guts like a little bit deeper. And I remember just coming off of that meet 
having let so many people down, having let myself down and going through those emotions of who am I Yeah, outside of this sport? Like who, what do I have to offer the world if I'm not winning gold medals and breaking world records? And I think that is what a lot of people experience when they decide to retire is that your identity can get so wrapped up into who you are as an athlete and Mm -hmm. in your competition and in your successes and in your failures that the more you let it get wrapped up, obviously the harder it is to detangle all of it. There's something I want to point out there though, because what you, what you just said of, I think it's really difficult sometimes when people hear you and I have talked about this. Someone say, I still made the Olympics. I still got a gold medal, but I failed. Mm -hmm. And that's because for you coming off of London, when you won five, four, four gold medals, broke world records, like that was your best, Mm -hmm. right? And everyone in anything they do want to do their best. And like, I mean, it sounds crazy to say, right? But for you making the Olympics and being, you missed the final 10th in the world and winning a gold medal on a prelim isn't your best. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have such a strong, passionate feeling about, I wanted to point that out because I've experienced that too. And it's almost like this shame that you feel bad saying that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you've gotten to the point where you can now say this, but in the beginning, certain experiences of my own, like you feel bad you feel shameful, like, well, I should be grateful. And you are, right? You 100% are. But any human being in any endeavor <laughs> wants to do their best. Yep. And so I just want to point that out. I think it's amazing the way you articulate it. And you articulated it with mm-hmm. such pride. And I know you've done a lot of work to get to that point. But just just for people listening, like that, <laughs> that is like a really difficult thing. And anything you do is, I, I hear people do all the time where someone has a certain job, right? It's like, well, pfft he's got that job or she's got that job must be nice. Mm -hmm. But maybe that person wants to sell their company for a billion dollars. And so working at their company and what they're doing isn't their best, you know? So I'm always very, very careful when I look at someone or look, see their success and make comments on it Mm -hmm. because you have no idea what their goals are, where they want to be. And it's really important, I think, to be respectful of that. And it's something I'm, I'm still working on when I interact with people and talk about their Mm -hmm. goals and their success and all those things. So I so appreciate you calling that out. And it's so true. It's, it's good for everyone to hear that too, because that's also, it can be a little shocking when you hear someone say that and have it come off as a a disappointment. Yeah. And it has taken a lot of work to get to that point where I feel okay admitting that. Cause yeah. I remember that was one of the things I struggled with the most. And I know we've joked a little bit with some of our guests about reading some of the comments on, yeah. on articles and stuff. But when I first spoke about my post-Olympic depression, was at a lead summit mm-hmm. and it felt like a very safe space. I was with a room of young females that had been so supportive and, and really encouraging. And I felt very loved and I decided to talk about what I had been through and a, an article came out about it. And one of the first comments I read was literally the comment that I had feared the most. Mm-hmm. And it was, Oh, poor you, you poor little Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. 
dagger and, to the heart oh oh spiral yeah because it was that yin and yang for me of just this internal battle with my emotions of like I am feeling depressed and I am feeling lost yeah. and then also the how dare I feel like mm-hmm. that I've been given so much I have achieved so much I've done what I wanted to do how dare I feel like this Mm -hmm. and that has been so much of the work that I've done in therapy over the years is not judging my own emotions yeah and that's I think both of us we love our therapists so much because of how they validate what it is that we're feeling and that's something I've gotten a lot better with too of not only not battling those internal emotions but validating them of like and that's why I can say that now of looking back like yeah like, of course, that was really hard for me to go through in Rio because that was, in my mind, yeah. a disappointment. Yeah. And that is okay. And that is okay. Yeah. And so I think, you know, coming off of Rio, you know, it took me several months to get my feet back underneath me. Um, I ended up, you know, starting to train with Dave Durden, which was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and being with the the men's team at Cal, honestly, just brought such a sense of joy back into the sport for me. I mean, it was just being with 35 absolute goofballs every single day at practice, but also goofballs that worked harder than any group I'd, you know, ever been a part of. And so that was really special to, to be a part of that. And I'm so grateful to Dave for taking me in, um, and Yuri who was there at the time and then ultimately made the decision to move to Georgia and train at Georgia. They had another great pro group there. And just for some personal reasons and things that I've been going through, I knew it was best for a change and to, to get out of Berkeley. And so went and swam for Jack Bowerly, um, and the amazing coaching staff down at Georgia and dreamt of this amazing comeback. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. the one that you dream of, mm-hmm. like had gotten knocked down headline. She's back. It. Yes. <laughs> like surgeries coming back off of it. Yeah. And then I'm just coming back at Tokyo, like better than I've ever been before. Yeah. And I think the longer I was there, the more I battled my injury it was like the more I fought for it, the further away from it I felt. Mm-hmm. And so having to retire, I think for any, again, any athlete at any stage, when you have to leave the sport on not your own terms or not on the high that yep. you want to leave it on, it is demoralizing. I mean, it is so tough to leave something that has been such a massive part of your life for most of us our entire lives Mm -hmm. and have it not end with a happy ending. Yeah. Really, really hard to get that. So I had so many conversations with so many people. I was so fortunate that there were beautiful things happening in my life at the time outside of that, which I think made such a difference. I had met my now husband at the time we were engaged. And so I had really started to have this perspective and understanding that life will go on. There is still so much to look forward to, including I've always said that my dream job was to be a mom. So I knew I had found the person that I was going to spend the rest of my life with, who was my soulmate, who was going to be the best partner and husband and father in the world. And I couldn't wait to experience those things. And so that was always kind of my light at the end of the tunnel while I was going through that. But when I did have to make that decision to retire because my shoulders just simply weren't getting any better. And we'd worked with 
it seems like every surgeon in the country who were saying, you know, same things of you could get the surgery, but not a big chance of it helping and massively long recovery time. Yeah. And at that point that was taking me, you know, close to being six months out of what would have been Tokyo in 2020. Yeah. And I knew there was no way I could go through all of that and be the best I had ever been. And so all of those feelings from Rio came back. I had tools now that I didn't have before on how to handle them, but it was still a confusing time a hard time and I had the best support in the world while going through it Mm -hmm. and it was still hard. So just wanting listeners to hear that too, is you can have incredible support systems and communities. And as we've talked about, be so grateful for them. Yeah. And we're validating that it's still a tough and hard experience. What do you feel like? Cause I feel like I get this questions all the time of how do you support someone in a situation where they're pretty much helpless, Mm -hmm. right? Like you didn't have much control, like your shoulders were done, right? They weren't fixable in in a timeline that was going to be Tokyo. So what did Hayes do? What Mm -hmm. did your parents do? What did Jack Bowerly do? What did those people in your life do that made such a difference? Listen, listen. I teased you up for that one. I didn't know what you were going to (laughs) say. We feel very strongly about this. But I I think that that is just so important because that was something I used to struggle with so much is I loved being the friend that other friends would come to to talk about things, to like discuss what was going on in their life. And then I got to a point where it would stress me out because while they were telling me what was going on, I was busy trying to formulate a response, a plan versus <laughs> yeah. listening to them. Yeah. And I kind of figured that out on my own of like, that's not the kind of friend I want to be. And then when I actually went through it, that was so eye opening because I remember being the person that did just want someone to listen. Yeah. Like, n- I didn't want them to say the perfect thing. I didn't want them to give me advice that was going to change the trajectory of my yes. life. Like, I just wanted them to listen. And so I think that takes so much pressure off the support systems as well to know that's really all you have to do. Yeah. Is just listen, validate the experience and what they're going through, and then ask them what they need. And they may not know. And I think that's a big thing too. And that's something that I'm even now like really trying to utilize with my closest friends and family is if they're going through something, it's, you know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what you need, but if you know something I can do to help you, please tell me yeah. and I will do it. And I love you. Yep. Like as, <laughs> as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think, I think I brought this up because I do think it's a journey I've gone through as well, but I do think that, I mean, that's, it's so hard. It's so oh. simple, but it's so hard because you want to just fix it for that person. And it's so difficult to watch your spouse or your child or anyone you love go through this terribly heart-wrenching thing and you just have to sit there. But yeah, I mean, the moments I look back on the hardest moments of my life, it's just someone saying, wow, that sucks or that's so hard and Mm -hmm. I love you and I'm here for you. Absolutely. Like I've texted you and you're like, what can I do? I'm like, just say you love me. (laughs) I do. You do. So it's just like, you know, I think I'm so passionate about talking about that because Mm -hmm. there's so many fixers in this world Mm -hmm. and it's coming from a place of love, but it's the worst thing you can do. (laughs) It's 
just unless I'm coming to you, I'm like, all right, fix it, fix it now. I'll do that too. But most times when it's out of your control, you just need your, your trust tree and your people that love you. Absolutely. And I think the cool thing about our story is the different trajectory that we both took after we retired. So we'll get into it a little bit more. I stayed heavily involved in the sport. You did not. (laughs) I beelined away. (laughs) So I want to, I want to talk about that a little bit more and talk about what led to your retirement, take you back to 2012 trials and what that experience was like for you and what led to that decision of really just not wanting to be involved in the sport at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Not a fun time. Um, it's funny when I was writing my book, Todd, I would work with the ghostwriter and talk through all the scenarios and basically just like word vomit to my ghostwriter. And he could tell by my demeanor and my mood when he came home and he was like, are you in 2012? Are you in 2009? Like it was crazy. I was like, you were like bubbly. Like, are you in 2007? (laughs) So like, but, um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I have, I mean, similarly, the reason I resonate with, you know, 2008 for me was, yes, I won three medals. Yes, I went best, some best times. Yes, I broke American records, but it wasn't the Olympics that the expectations and the people with the female Phelps label gave me. Um, and so I left, I feel like... If you and I had a dollar for every time we were called the female Michael Phelps. Like, I would just be a billionaire, so... <laughs> Which like, again, don't get honor. us wrong. Yes. A huge honor. huge honor. But like we weren't, you know, neither of us were going for eight golds. And I finally at one point being like, I, again, thank you so much for that amazing comparison. But can I just be the first Missy Franklin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't. Okay? Or just being like, don't you feel like an American record is a success? Yeah. You know, like it, it just, that's a whole nother time. We should do an episode just on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I think, you know, leaving that, I I felt that was when I kind of had my initial crisis of, mm-hmm. okay, I didn't live up to my expectations or other people's expectations. And I didn't have enough wherewithal to be like, okay, I need to step away and figure it out. It was just like, okay, I'm going to switch coaches. I'm going to change in training environments. And I was still just broken. And so basically from 2008 to 2012, it was just kind of this roller coaster of like, I hit a couple highs, like Dubai was a great for Mm -hmm. me, for me. And then something crazy would happen and it'd be like, okay, back down again. And so it just felt like I couldn't ever really find my footing in the way that I had found between 04 and 08. And so I just remember going into 12 knowing, right? Like, you know where you're at. I knew I'm not strong enough right now to make an individual event. I had sworn off I am altogether, which is crazy to look mm-hmm. back because there were just such painful things associated with it. I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to strive for the relay. I can make top six. I can do that. That's what I want. I'm going to go. I'm going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my mindset going into it. And I just remember day one having this like pit in my stomach and people being like, well, it's just because you're nervous. I'm like, no, I've been to a million meets. I this know is, what nervous This is not like. nervous. Um, and yeah, I just remember feeling, I think like three weeks before I'd gone a time that would have put me in the final and put me in, in fighting contention. I just felt weak, like so mm. weak, couldn't move, couldn't eat. And just remember being like, why is this happening? Um, and similarly, this is why I speak about people reaching out is everyone's first reaction is like, well, it's okay. It's okay. You're all right. And you're like, no, I'm not all right. And, and Todd, this is the silver lining of why 2012 
happened. Like I believe that I was not meant to make the Olympic team in 2012. And um, he said the one thing I needed to hear was my thoughts and prayers are with you. Sent three purple hearts because he knew my favorite color was purple. Good job, Todd. Good job, Todd. Um, Smooth move. And I just remember thinking at that point, I'm done. Like, I'm done. Like, I have to be a masochist to continue doing this. Like, I not only was I sick, but I was just hating. I was hating the sport. I was hating my feelings towards it. I felt like everyone just thought I was like this washed up, like no one respected me, mm. even though four years prior had been like, I tell you, I told you this before, right? It's yeah. like, I felt like at that point, like no one remembered anything I had done before that. And I was just oh, like this gosh. washed up swimmer. And the so shift that must have been for you to go through. Yeah. And the, the, the crazy thing, it's at the same pool. So like, I have like my favorite memories of all time in Omaha in 2008 when I could do no wrong. And then my worst memories in 2012. Mm -hmm. And so at that point I was like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna move back to California because I was training in Naples, Florida at the time. I'm going to go get my degree in fashion. Don't know why. Don't know why. I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to be on the red carpet. I mean, like I wasn't that into fashion. Like I was like, I liked clothes, but like I look back and I'm like, all right, that's weird. Um, <laughs> so then I met Todd. We headed off. That's a whole nother story. But we ended up moving in together to speed things up. And he wasn't looking to move back to California. And mm -hmm. He found a, a place that he was kind of interning at um, that actually trained him for his pro day in football. And I was like, all right, well, maybe we like look down the road and move to Miami and I'll just be done. And that'll be that. And I just that's in my past and I'm never going to swim again. And I'm just going to be in the corporate world and start over like that was that was my thought. That was my plan of success was the fear of going into something totally unknown that felt more approachable to you than keeping swimming in your life yeah which wow. should tell you how like yeah. messed up I was at that time mm -hmm. I was just like I can't bear to look at people like I didn't feel like I was worthy of people mm -hmm. being around me or like I had I mean my self-esteem was like a rock bottom um and so I was just like yeah like I just people don't need to really know about and of course I still had you know, I was still with Speedo, so I still had sponsorship, uh, you know, things I had to go do. And I just remember being at the shoots or being at an event and speaking and feeling so inauthentic. Like I'm sitting here talking about how swimming is fun and I'm like, you fraud. Like yeah. you don't feel like, so those are the fun things that I used to do with Speedo and different sponsors was like, I would dread them. So we moved from, we ended up moving from Naples to Miami and I was like, well, I need to finish school. And at the same time, um, well, at, at that time, I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to finish school. And then I'm also going to become a cycling instructor. So did I, you do that? Yeah. Are you a so, cycling instructor? I was. Oh, <laughs> so, no, this is, this is worse. This gets, the story gets worse. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to like really, and Equinox is like very, very intense with their mm -hmm. instructors, like very, like very similar to Pier Bar, I would yeah. say. Um, so I audition, they don't accept me. I'm like, so I can't even get accepted? Yeah, they're like, come back, work on it. Like they were like, you weren't as intense with your like three, like they're like, you needed more like passion in your like, let's go like on that. And I'm like, okay. My heart for you right now. I, oh, I'm not kidding. I literally like, I'm laughing now, but I like, they like we gave me the feedback. The they gave me fit and they're like, well, I, the one person was like, I think you can do it. But um, the head guy doesn't think you're quite ready. So we're going to let you like 
do like guest spots or something and like just like you need to prove him wrong basically which looking back is so unprofessional <laughs> So I th- he thinks and you such suck. A bad culture too. Yes. Like, yeah. like you, he thinks you suck. I think you're fine. But like, anyway. So, anyways, I I audition again, and I get through. Of and course. So then, like, and of course, like Todd's in the front of my classes, taking the class. <laughs> I've actually not ever talked about this. I forgot I did that. Um. So then, yeah, as a cycling instructor, I did that. I was going to school, all while. I then got invited to be a mentor uh, mm-hmm. at the World Junior Team in Dubai. Okay. Um, and this is now 2013. So I'm still finishing up school. And I was like, and Jack Roach, like my favorite human of all time. Everyone's. A mentor to everyone, mentor to me. And he, he I, I don't think I would have gone if he hadn't asked. And he mm-hmm. was like, Katie, like you need to go be a mentor to these athletes. And of course, at that time, worthy zero. And I'm yeah. like, why would they why would they want me to come on this trip? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Katie, just come. I'm like, all right, fine. Dubai. I mean, I know, yeah. <laughs> so I and go. When Jack asks, and when Jack asks, you say yes. You say yes. <laughs> and so I went and I was like, this is also so embarrassing. I was like trying to like really be a great mentor and I'm not like great with the, like crafts. <laughs> what did you do? I like give a little like motivational thing and then they go to the pool and I stayed back and in the team room there was like (laughs) there's like this like red construction paper and so I taped it all together and I made a sign with like USA and I put all their names on it it was so lopsided (laughs) I was like guys I made you a sign mentoring check arts and crafts a plus like i told todd and he was like that's not really a strength of yours and i'm like nope nope it wasn't like caleb i'm gonna ask caleb dressel was on that trip kathleen baker it was like a stacked trip and you were the original ted lasso believe sign except it was the katie ha yeah us exactly it was i spent so much time on i'm cutting i can't cut well i'm left hand anyways so anyways to sum up that was not the best thing about the trip the best thing about the trip was i watched these athletes so pumped like they're smiling genuinely behind Mm. the blocks like they are having the best time representing team usa i remember sitting in the stands and just having this pull like this pull in my heart and i was like wow, I haven't felt that in uh, 10 years yeah. uh, or not 10, five, seven years. And I just like, so at the time, Andy Kershaw, who I knew he was actually a manager on a lot of Team USA trips, was going to be the coach at Miami. And I texted him. I'm like, do you, can I swim with you guys and just like mm-hmm. see, see how I feel? And he was the best coach for me at that time. Like just oh. was like, yes whatever you want, like see how it feels. And I just remember kind of getting into it and it felt like such a partnership. Like I had such ownership over what I was doing day to day. I was so much more dialed into like my sleep and nutrition. And I just felt this joy in the process again. And it was like, yeah, it was the first time I'd felt just like this healthy relationship with the sport ever. Like I felt like a little kid again. And, but life's like, curveballs when that happens um so i'm i'm competing really well um we fly to national championships in irvine which is if you remember is the meet that you're qualifying for 2015 worlds yep and i remember landing 
and having this weird feeling in my chest. And the story is long, so I'll jump ahead. But basically, by the time I'm racing day 100 freestyle, it is a stabbing pain in my ribs. And so much that I think I like went out in 26 something and like the last, like I couldn't breathe. Like I couldn't breathe the last 50. Like it was awful. So scary. So scary. And, you know, I'm like basically have to pull out of the meat, which was just devastating. I remember looking up at Andy and Todd and I was like, I know, like I tried to swim a 50 and I couldn't barely get through the 50. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? What, what's happening to me? You know, this isn't right. And I was like, you have to tell me to get out of the pool because I know when I get out of the pool, like the meat's done. Mm. And I was like, like end up finding out seven weeks later. It's why I do so much advocacy work for the national blood clot Alliance that I had a blood clot in my lung, which I've never had any injuries, like minor things here and there, but I have a pulmonary embolism, which is two blood clots in my right lung basically struggle through that for, I mean, a few months of going back and forth, getting on blood thinners, fighting to kind of find my footing again and just dying every practice. And like, okay. I'm like, I, I made this comeback to enjoy yeah. what I'm doing and I'm crying every day. I'm depressed. I'm like, no, I feel like to this day, people who knew me in Miami are like, that girl is not nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was just like in it, you, you know, so, no idea what she's yeah, so anyone in Miami, I think I've talked to all of you, but sorry. Uh, but it's just, yeah. And I've ultimately was like, this is not, this is not the why I came back yeah. and I need to be done. And I remember going into Andy's office and saying, I, I'm done, you know, mm-hmm. I'm done. And it was December of 2015 and feeling like very freed, like feeling like, okay, this was the right decision, but also feeling like I, I'm so angry at the sport. Yeah. I like, how could this happen after I like kind of gave it my all to come back? And once again, like I was like, I fleed. I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I decided I was gonna, be as far away from the sport as possible. And re- and like, I'm just going to be as extraordinary as I was in the pool in the corporate world. And that's what I'm going to do. And yeah, that that's what I tried to do. Basically. Sleep is the foundation to performance and longevity. It is either enhancing your performance or holding you back from your highest potential. Dream Recovery is committed to just that, helping people sleep as well as possible so they can conquer the day. Dream Recovery believes in the power of evidence-based solutions to optimize sleep and recovery. Yes, and everyone deserves to feel their best, and that starts with a great night's sleep. So many of our own Unfiltered Waters guests use Dream Recovery's sleep mask and mouth tape, including Carson Foster and Michael Andrew, and they swear by how much it has helped their sleep and performance in the pool. Visit dreamrecovery.io to have your best sleep ever. Use code UNFILTERED for 30% off your entire order and 50% off your first month of Dream Tape. Sweet dreams. How did you transition all of the skills that swimming gave you into the corporate world? Yeah, because I love this question because I think so many people when you're swimming or when you're in your sport tell you like, oh, like corporations or businesses love athletes. And you're like, okay, like I kind of get it, but I don't fully get it. And also it's hard to get into those organizations if you're an athlete that doesn't have have any work experience. Yeah, they're like, you need five years. And you're like, okay, but like, how do I get five years if you don't let me have five years? (laughs) Exactly. um, So yeah, I mean, I I got a kind of a break 
in, I mean, I started entry level, so mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was able to, I certainly was able to say, yes, I've won Olympic medals. So that means that I'm relentless and I'm a hard worker and all of those things. Um, but it was, there was no like, oh, wow. Okay. Like we're going to have you be the VP of sales. You know, mm -hmm. like you had, I was willing to say, okay, I'm going to start over. And, um, I had, I definitely had this like chip on my shoulder, like, okay, like I'm, I got to go just be the best. Like I just mm -hmm. remember going and starting as a sales rep and just, I mean, stressing myself out because to me as the Olympian, I have to be at the top of the stack ranking that month. I have to have the best sales because how embarrassing if people know that I was an Olympian, mm -hmm. I actually had someone sit down and sit down in my office, look at me, recognize me and go, what are you doing here? Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. So that was, and just confirming, like you talked about like the thing you're wor most worried. Oh the, and that gosh. was, that was like the, and the person meant, the person didn't mean any right. malice no, by yeah. it. It was actually, they were trying to almost no compliment me. Oh gosh. And I just, I just like same thing, dagger to the heart. And I was like, I, like, I, I didn't even know what to say. I yeah. was like, all right, so we'll see. You going to sign up? Yeah. <laughs> At least give me sale. the sale if you're going to just like completely humiliate me. But I, I think, you know, that is so you Yeah, <laughs> just sign, give me your credit card. But I think that, you know, through, I could talk about it all day long, but I think the thing, the reason I was successful and the reason it was miserable until I actually dug deep and realized that like just abandoning mm -hmm. my whole entire swimming world was not the healthiest thing and not the way I was going to be the happiest, right? I needed a little of everything, but anyone who goes into the corporate world or anything is, is going to be, you're going to be successful because it is true. Like everything that you learn in your sport, being on time and working hard and working with the team and being coachable and accepting feedback, all of those things do translate. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest piece of advice I have though, is that you have to figure out where they fit in because it is different. It's not black and white. Someone might get this lead, crazy lead that doesn't seem fair and it's gray. You know, mm. it's not as like, here's the time you go. And, and so I think that took me a while of figuring out like where the skills applied and that can be a frustrating piece when people mm -hmm. move into that type of environment. But it's so encouraging just to hear your story. And I want to thank you for so many of the statements that you made that I know just like, just like myself has taken a long time to get there to yes. even like admit. And for you to even say out loud that you were feeling unworthy that, mm -hmm. you know, that it, it's just for so many of us who have looked up to you for so long that would never think for a day that you felt unworthy of anything. Like it's so powerful to hear you say that. And it's just such a good reminder that you, you never know what people are going through. You yeah. never know what they're experiencing. And as you mentioned, even at the beginning of this episode, like just being thoughtful of the other person's experience yes. and, and what they're going through. And it may be very, very different than what you see. Yes. And to just be aware of that. But I think you had and continue to have an incredibly successful career completely outside <laughs> of the sport. Do you now today get that same feeling when you find the success in your career that you did when you were swimming and you went your best time or you broke that record? Or is it similar feeling, but different? 
Similar but different. I also think that's another thing is you, I, I went into my sales rep positions and whatever as like thinking like, okay, it has to, I have to replicate, mm-hmm. right? I have to replicate what it feels like to break a world record. Like, what? Like that's, <laughs> don't set yourself up for that. That's setting yourself up <laughs> yeah. for failure. And so it's just understanding like, I kind of had to go a deep dive of like, okay, like what, why did I like those feelings? Like, mm-hmm. why did, why did, why did you like breaking your world record? Right. Yeah. I actually want to know why. <laughs> no answer to that question. <laughs> Just like, it was rhetorical, but now I'm actually <laughs> I twofold. I think a, my goal anytime I swam was a best time. Yes. I wouldn't care whether that was first or whether that was last. If I could go best time, like my number one goal was always to beat myself and yeah. to be the best version of myself that I had ever been. A world record, knowing you're the best that's ever been mm-hmm. is like a whole different kind of feeling. Yep. It, it just, it's, it's hard to put into words yeah. and explain. It's even when it's happening in that moment. And even now having been able to reflect on it, it's still hard to comprehend. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I think for me it's that it's like you, it, it's this, I mean, it it always sounds weird to say, but you feel so special. Oh yeah. You just feel so extraordinary and special. And for the longest time, that was always my, my word. Like, I just need to feel extraordinary. I need to feel Mm -hmm. extraordinary. And so, yeah, when you hit quota on a month, that doesn't, that doesn't give you the same feeling obviously. But I think what I realized is, but having progression and going after something and continuing to get better and, you know, honing your skills, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing in the pool. You're getting better your paces. You're getting better underwaters. Like there's all these things you're doing to get to the world record. Right. And that happens so fleeting Mm -hmm. that the buildup and I've always was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think that's the case. But now from where I am, Looking back on all of the positions in the fitness industry, in operations, and I've, I mean, I've got some stories. Like, sure. I've done all of these different things, and I'm like, but each one leads to the next. I didn't realize it at the time. And that's always my advice of when people talk about, like, well, what do you do when you're in a job that you hate? Mm-hmm. Right? What do you do when there's a job that you're just like going to and you're slugging through and you don't have motivation and you don't have passion? Right? That's a lot of people right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, how can you, I've been there. How can you flip it to say, okay, what are the skills am I learning? This isn't my end thing. It's not my end thing, which is takes the pressure off. But uh, am I learning to, am I learning systems? Am I learning how to close? Am I learning, you know, how to be able to overcome objections better? All of those things that help in life in general and in any role that you're going to be into. So it's so hard in the moment when you're frustrated and not passionate and you're like, why me? But if you actually can take a step back and see that, it will help you be able to get through mm. the really, really tough days of doing something that you hate. Just have this belief that there are better things coming mm-hmm. and, that, and that if you keep going, all the skills that you're doing right now will pay off. Like they will. You just have to believe it. And I think that's something that I have been able to do again, with a huge support system around me, but just keep putting one foot in front of the other and going to the next job and fighting through it and having tough conversations and um, just just a lot. But I now look back and I'm like, okay, like I'm actually really proud that I did fight and yeah. now it makes sense. It definitely didn't some of those times, but now it makes sense. That is such powerful advice <laughs> for people. <laughs> 
just, just rewind and just keep uh, listening to that over and yeah. over again. I probably also will. <laughs> like, remember you said that and you're really frustrated to go listen to your own podcast. <laughs> just go back and take a listen. No, thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, I, I want to touch on to kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning as well of preparation. Yes. I think we should both talk a little bit about what we think athletes can do to prepare themselves for this transition. I think from mental, emotional, and actual, you know, like tactical ideas moving forward. I think for the emotional piece, this is work you can do at any time. Anytime. Right. And that's been so awesome again about some of the guests that we've had on is yes. they're doing this work right now as they're still competing. They are learning who they are, yeah. how to separate who they are as a person away from, you know, what it is that they're doing in the pool every single day. So if they have a bad practice, if they have a bad race, a bad meet, it does not make them a bad person. Yes. And and doing that work, I think, is is so important if you have the access to a sports psychologist or a therapist or a friend, just someone that you can talk to when you're having some of these emotions and feelings and working through that so that when the day comes that you do transition away from your sport, you've already put in some of that work. And I really think it will still benefit you as you are competing as well. 100%. Did you work with someone throughout your whole career? Just leading into Rio. I unfortunately waited until things got bad, really bad Yeah, until I did. And then I worked with a sports psychologist um, through Rio. But at that point, that was just a Band-Aid for a mm -hmm. gaping wound because we just didn't have the time. And then afterward, I found a therapist and we started working on the the stitches. The stitches. Yeah. And did you find someone like was the therapist that you found leading into Rio also someone the same person you worked with after? It was not. No. Okay. Um, I wanted to work with someone outside of the sporting space. Because I think I, Why? I knew that what I wanted to work through ran deeper than just swimming. It wasn't so specific that it was just about, you know, my nerves, you know, creating an inability for me to perform at my best or it, I knew it was deeper than that. I knew yeah. it was genuinely like my self worth and value was yes. so wrapped up in this that I really needed to like dig. Yeah. I needed to dig deep. And so I found a therapist um, out in California while I was there who was wonderful. And we just had the hard conversations and helped give me a sense of who I was. And I think that sense of balance that ironically I had so well when I was 17. Yeah. Right. Going yeah. into Rio when I didn't even know how important it was, it was the best that it had ever been because I was 17 yeah. and I wanted to spend time with my friends and I wanted to go to prom and I wanted to do all of these things because I never wanted swimming to feel like it was taking away from my life. I never wanted to resent it. I always yeah. wanted it to be something that added to my life. And then I just completely lost sense of that balance. And I think that shift for me was, I thought if I went 110% all in, this is the only thing I'm thinking about focusing on doing, then I was going to see results that I had never seen before. Yeah. And that just completely backfired. Yeah. It's interesting because I actually, I haven't said this before, but I was always, I'd always have to, no matter what, fake a smile behind the blocks. And I was always like, I am so, and I actually, I'll ask you, like, mm. 
I was always envious. I'm like, I feel like Missy's smile is genuine and she's like having so much fun out there. And I'm like, I'm so envious of that, mm-hmm. you know, because I just felt like the weird part with mine is that I like I did do my best when I was a psychopath. Yeah. Like when I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. And so it was like, and I, it wasn't, I believe that I could have done it the other way too. But I think because it's like, okay, well, like I'm breaking records and I'm swimming really fast and I'm doing like, I'm thinking that this is the only thing I need to do. Right. Yeah. And and so I didn't really have like this advice where, Hey, maybe it's okay to spend more time with your friends and you don't have to be home by this time. Or maybe you should, you know, have some other hobbies. You know, there wasn't a lot not of that. arts and crafts, but not arts and crafts. Well, I did have my hip hop class once a week that I started, which I had to showcase, but it was great. You did a showcase? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fergie, here I come. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my parents showed Todd three months into dating they're like, oh my God. And it, like, I was not also, like, okay. I'm better at dancing than arts and crafts, but I'm not like that good. So also mortifying, but side, sidetrack. Also uh, the fact that they were showing like recital videos, but instead of you being three, you're, I'm 19 years old, <laughs> 19 years old in a little schoolgirl outfit, because that was what my teacher wore. <laughs> oh Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of gyrating. Oh, good, good. We're just gonna super great. One of the words I did not think was gonna come up on the podcast. <laughs> so yeah. So moving on for there. I don't know how we got there, but it was actually really deep. We we're talking about <laughs> just a, some laughter in there, but yeah. Like I think it's important to, regardless whether you're you and you're able to accomplish like remembering hey remember what you were like when you were 17 you can still succeed like that or someone like me who's super high strung and thinks that that's the way to do it it's like no seasons happen things can change and as you get older I think it becomes that much more important because you are an adult right you know professional athletes or athletes in college you're uh, you're an adult you're 20 years old you're 22 years old and you need to feel like it's okay to be a human being and not just be this robot that goes and practices and comes back and that's it. Yeah. And so I think regardless, being able to have that support. And I think the third party piece is where it's the most important piece, right? Having someone, even if it's your parent, like my mom was awesome at listening to me, mm-hmm. but having someone that has that outside perspective to, again, validate and allow you to work through it is... I mean, I think it's amazing that it's such a big topic right now. But I think back then, I mean, I think even you were more on the cutting edge that you were, what, 2016? Yeah. Like that still was not really talked about. Even mm-hmm. like talking about therapy was like, oh, what's wrong? Yeah. Not like, oh, no, I'm just going to oh, be yeah, a... Oh, yeah, you too? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, oh, nice. Where do you <laughs> go? Do you yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it was just like this taboo thing. And I think nowadays it's, I think they're, I think it's becoming more, more normalized. Mm-hmm. But I still think there's some like... Oh, totally. There's a lot more progress to be made. A lot more progress to be made. And I think, I guess my question to you is what ultimately empowered you? Like what feelings were you feeling? Like, were you scared? Like what were you going through when you first sat down with your therapist? Mm, Oh my gosh. I just, I was ready to do the work because Mm. I had gotten so low and had hit that bottom that I was always willing to work hard. Like my work ethic has always been there. Yeah. 
I love working hard and this was just a different form of work. Mm. So it just got to the point where I knew I had to do something and I knew that this was what I needed to do. And so for me, it was actually fairly easy to just be all in from day one because I wanted to get better. I wanted to get back to the space of loving the sport because that smile that you saw was genuine. Yeah. In 2016, probably not. I think that whole year, 2015, 2016, leading up, it was just praying that it was real, even yeah. though it wasn't. But every moment leading up to that, it was so real yeah. and so genuine. Like, yeah. I loved the sport of swimming. I had so much fun with it. It gave me so much. And it's taken me a while, but I'm back to that place of like, when I think of swimming now, I think of that. Love that. I think of the joy and I think of what it brought me and what it's given me. And that helps so much as we have these discussions and we talk about these transitions because I don't want swimmers to leave not loving the sport because it is so beautiful and it's given us so much. But I understand why a lot of athletes do have a hard time leaving and why it's such a tough transition. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's a dream of a dream of ours and, you know, hopefully athletes that are still competing that swimming, when you look back on it is still a beautiful memory for you. Yeah. And that's why I think conversations like these are, are so important and just talking about those transitions and what's happening. I'd say that the one other thing I want to mention too, before we start to close out is the importance of mentorship. Yes. As you're going yes. through these Thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Yeah. I think that we really need to place a higher emphasis on mentors. Yeah. Coaches. Amazing. Parents. Amazing. Yes. Mentors. Amazing. Like we, I think they need to be up there in line with, if you have a, figure in your life that you find successful, admirable, that you look up to, sit down, take them out to coffee, ask them about their life. Yes. Ask about their story. Ask how they got there. If there's someone in a profession that you are interested in, ask to take them out to coffee. Like there is no harm in asking people if they'll just sit down and have conversations. Yeah. People love to talk about themselves. They'll do it in a heartbeat. And also the networking that Mm -hmm. comes along with that. I think the mentorship and the networking is a huge piece. And those are two things that, again, you can do while you're still competing that don't take it all away from what it is that you're doing within the sport, but can give you that little sense of like a net underneath you of like, okay, I am doing these other things. I'm exploring these other options. I'm looking at what it is I'm passionate about and potentially different routes on how I'm going to get there by talking. That's all you have to do is just by talking to these different people. So I think looking out for those mentors in your life, who they could be, and then really focusing on networking and introducing yourself to people, getting, you know, and again, you don't need experience in networking to network. It's literally just making friends. It's li- that's the thing too. It's like I, I almost think the society needs to recoin networking because mm-hmm. I think networking has been used so much that it has become like this, like uh, like like almost someone said that to me the other day, and I'm like, I I'm not trying to network with people. Like I just I'm I just, just trying to make friends. I'm just yeah. Like I think you're cool. Like I want to connect with you. You yeah. seem like you'd be fun in the sauna. Come on over. You know, like or like let's go get coffee. Like I think it doesn't have to networking. I think 
used to be this amazing thing where like, let's get together. But I think now people view it as like, oh, you're trying to get something from someone. No, like Mm -hmm. you just want to connect. You see someone, they're they're like-minded or they're doing what you might want to do. And it's just, to me, like there's no ego about it. You're just like, I just want to speak with you and I want to hear about your experience and I want to learn from it. I want to be a sponge. I feel like having a mentor at any level, having a mentor in different areas of life, I think is huge too. Like having a mentor in the sport of swimming, having a mentor in, you know, a business setting, having like, I, that's almost one of the first questions I've always asked when I've been on an interview and I'm talking to a CEO or, or founder, like who are your mentors? Mm. Because if the, the answer is, I'm like that red flag, you know, like it, it, there is this power in, and someone has always gone before you. Someone has yeah. always experienced. And you don't have to take everything from that person, but you will always be able to find little nuggets of wisdom. Yes. And so, yeah, like I'm so glad you brought that up because mentors are huge, Massive. huge. Yes. Okay, so let's end with one question for each other. Are we, we going to do it? Yay! <laughs> what do you miss the most about the sport of swimming? What do I... Oh, the curveball. That's not what I thought you were going to ask. Um... What do I miss the most? I think I miss, well, now I feel like I'm back from like the friend community piece. I do miss the trips and like, Mm -hmm. you know, spending time with everyone. But now I feel like I kind of get that again. (laughs) But I think in terms of just the feel, like just the, the high and the feeling after putting in so much work and turning around and just that feeling of elation when you see that you've accomplished what you wanted, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I don't think it's so hard to get that outside. It's not as in your face, you know what I mean? And so I just think that it's like a drug. Like it's like this, this dopamine hit, but just like, I can't describe the feeling of like seeing what you want on the clock and knowing I just put in, hours and hours and floods and tears. It's just the best feeling in the world. And I, I really miss that. I love that. Yeah. It's so true. It's so hard to describe. Yeah. You're like, it's just like, it's why you're able to leap out of the water after you just like destroyed yourself and turned her back or formed it. I am. I always look back. Like and I'm you like, don't feel anything. Yeah, I'm like, how do I not? I was in, I know I was in a lot of pain. How in the world? You just, you just, everything clears out and you just feel pure mm. happiness. Yeah. We've talked about this. What I miss the most, and I know you will agree as well, is the locker rooms on Saturday morning after oh, practice. How did I not say that? <laughs> how did I not say that? Katie and I have talked about if you could bottle up yeah. the locker room feeling after Saturday morning workout when you have the rest of the weekend off, you've probably just suited up, you've raced fat, I mean... Everyone is in the locker room. The music is blaring. Everyone is laughing. They're so excited for a weekend. Like it is just to me having put in all of of that Uh, work. Yeah. And then just it again, I always kind of go back to the work ethic piece of it. For me, that was always what was so rewarding. Yeah. Putting in the work and then being able to sit back and be like, wow. Uh, I'm going to go get pancakes and I'm just going to sit on the couch all day (laughs) and see what the best. Oh, well, all right. I am so thankful to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you did. And to anyone listening or watching that is going through this transition, that has gone through this transition, that will go through this transition, please just know that you are not alone. Yeah. uh, That we 
so many of us have been through this yeah. and some of you may have a wonderful, easy, incredible transition. And we wish that for every single one of you. But if it is hard, know that it is okay. And I hope that some of what we've been able to share has been helpful and insightful, but ultimately just knowing that you are not alone in this journey not and no alone. matter what happens, you are strong enough and you are tough enough to get through it and you will figure it out. We promise you we've been there. We're here now and you will get there. Have all the faith in the world in you. And with that, yeah. Signing off. We love you guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening and watching unfiltered waters. We are so grateful for your support. If you could please hit that subscribe button on any of the channels that you're watching and maybe even give us a rating or review, we would appreciate it so much. Thank you again. And we'll talk to you soon.